Psalm chapter 1, the very first psalm in the Psalms. And as you're turning, thank you so much to you for having me along. And thank you so much to Nick uh, and the elders for inviting me. Uh, I'm grateful to you not just because I'm a foreigner, but also as a Presbyterian. <laughs> to be invited to a Baptist church is, is very good. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really delighted to be here. So Psalm chapter 1. Please read along with me, and please feel the weight of the Word of God as it's read to you. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are the one true and living God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this very first psalm. And we pray that you will illuminate it to us and that you will apply it to our hearts that we may worship you and love you more. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. December 14th, 2014. It was a Sunday. And just over 10 million people turned on their TVs to watch the British talent show, The X Factor. You may be familiar with the American version. But on December 14th, after watching thousands of people all trying to be Britain's next big pop star, we were now down to the final two. Well, one of the finalists was a guy called Daniel Haynow. And in the week in the run-up to the final, he was asked, Daniel, why do you want to win the X Factor? Why do you want to be Britain's next big star? And this is what he said, and I slightly paraphrase for Americans. He said, I was raised in a broken home. My parents lived apart. My father was never around. And we struggled to pay the bills. We lived in a trailer park, and we had very little money. And I watched my mother work three jobs, jobs she didn't like, jobs she didn't want, but jobs she had to work just to make ends meet. And from the age of 14, I've struggled my way through life, and I turned to alcohol to see me through. And he said, now at the age of 29, as I reflect on all the years that have gone by, And as I plan the years to come, now he said, now I want more out of life. And if I win the X Factor, it will give me the job that will make me more fulfilled. And if I win the X Factor, it will give me the finance to make me more prosperous. And if I win the X Factor, it will make me famous, and that will give me the status that I deserve. And if I get the job I want, that will give me the security that will make me more happy. And so he said, if I win the X Factor, 
It'll give me the life that I desperately want. And on December 14th, just over 10 million people turn on their TVs to see if Daniel Haynoy wins everything that he believes will give him a better life. There's something within all of us that longs for more out of life. We want to be more prosperous. We want to be more fulfilled. We want to have greater value. We want to be more secure. And all of us want to be more happy. And the question that faces all of us as we long for more out of life is what do we turn to to give us something more? Well, this morning we're in the Psalms. And from around 1000 BC, God's people put together these psalms in worship of their covenant Lord. And right at the very first, at the start of these psalms, in Psalm 1, God gives us an answer to what we must turn to to give us more out of life. In fact, what we must turn to to give us the only good kind of life. And if you come with me to the very first line of this psalm, You'll see it begins with a statement of fact. Not a suggestion, but a declaration. And it says this. It says, blessed is the man. Now this word blessed is an all-encompassing word. It means to be prosperous, to be fulfilled. It means to have value, to have status. It means to be secure, to be happy. And here at the start of the Psalms, the psalmist tells us that there is a man who's got everything that all of us so desperately want. And as we go through this psalm this morning, we're going to ask the question, what does this man turn to that makes him so blessed? What does he do that gives him everything that all of us, you and me, so desperately want? What's he do? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And so here the psalmist tells us three verbs that that this man doesn't do. He does not walk, he does not stand, he does not sit. Walking throughout the Old Testament is referred to, you you use to refer to as hearing, uh, to listening, to believing something. Standing means to accept, to adopt, and to put into practice, to live out. And sitting picks up on the connotations of a judgment seat. That here's a man who enforces or imposes or encourages others to live. And so here is a man who does not listen, he does not live, he does not enforce and impose upon other people. And look at what he relates it to. Wicked, sinners, and scoffers. And so although the psalmist is using three different words, he's referring to one kind of person. He's referring to the people of the world. The people who hate God, who reject God, who are enemies of God. And here's a man who does not listen to the people who are opposed to God. He does not live like the enemies of God. He does not impose and enforce and encourage others to live like enemies of God. Because he does not walk, he does not stand, he does not sit. What does he do? But his delight is in the law. 
So here the psalmist goes from telling us of three doing words, from actions to an attitude. He's an attitude of delight. He is joyful. He takes pleasure in. He doesn't oppose. He does not challenge. He does not, he is not suspicious of, but he delights. He's joyful. He's a man of joy. And this man is not a man who delights in himself. He doesn't delight in his ambitions or his plans for life. He doesn't delight in all the things that he can get out of life because the psalmist tells us his delight is in the law of the Lord. So here the psalmist takes us back to the first five books in the Bible, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And whether it's in the stories of creation or in the stories of man and who man is, or in the stories of God's interaction with man, or in the fall, or in all the interaction between God and his people throughout the whole of history, whatever it is, this man delights in all that is said. And whether it's in the declarations or the sharings of the prophets, whether it's in the covenants or whatever it may be, this man delights in it all. And he also refers this back to the covenant law of God, the moral law, the laws that tell us who God is and how we're to approach him, the laws that tell us who we are and how we're to approach each other. He delights in the moral law of God. And he's referring to the ceremonial law, the laws of worship, the, the way in which we approach God, the ways in which we conduct ourselves in the church, the things we do, the things we don't do, the things we say, the things we don't say. This man delights in the ceremonial law. And he also delights in the civil law. Because as Israel at this point is a nation state, in how they're to interact within, in how they're to interact with others, in the laws of marriage, in the laws of authority, in every single law, in all levels of society, these, this man delights in it all. In all God has said, he delights. He's not suspicious. He doesn't oppose it. He doesn't challenge it. He delights. He delights in it all. Blessed is the man who does not, but who delights. And from an attitude of, from a state of attitude, he is driven to action. Because on his law, he meditates. He thinks about, he reads about, he studies, he, he applies, he learns. And also, you could translate, he speaks to himself. You know, we live in a culture that says you're crazy if you speak to yourself. But here, speaking to yourself is pretty biblical. Because this man is so obsessed with the law that he can't stop thinking. And so much is his obsession that he speaks it and reminds himself and says it over and over again all day and all night. In every situation this man is, all day he meditates on the law of God. Blessed is the man who delights in the law. What's he like? Verse 3. 
He is like a tree. Now, trees in the Bible are used as symbols of life. You'll remember back in Genesis 3, after God makes Adam and Eve, he puts a tree in the garden. And he tells Eve and Adam, do not eat from the tree. And if they obey, they have life. And if they disobey, they have death. And so the tree is a symbol of life. When Christ is on the cross, he dies for the sin of the world. And so the tree, the cross, is a symbol of life. And at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, as it speaks and proclaims of the future glory that's to come, what's it say that we will be doing? We will be eating from the tree of life. And so trees are a symbol of life. And this man, he's a symbol of life. And he tells us what, it's, what he's like. He is planted by the streams. And so just as a, a gardener comes and chooses a plant or a tree, chooses the one he decides, and just as he plants it and fixes it in the ground that it may grow and produce for him, so too is this man. He is chosen. He is fixed. He is planted. And as he's planted in the ground... So he is rooted in the ground. And when the wind and the rain come, and when things come to destroy him, this man is fixed in the ground. And it tells us what he is beside. He is beside streams of water. And so water in the Bible is used again as the thing that supplies, that creates, that sustains life. And here's a man not beside some little pathetic puddle. He's beside flowing streams of the source and the sustenance of life. And as he soaks in the life of God, the life of the law, so he grows and produces his fruit. This is not a man who's who's some kind of one-hit wonder. This is a man who grows and develops and becomes all he was intended to be. And as he grows, he produces the fruit, the sweet-tasting life that is pleasing to the Lord. And whether it's in his actions or his attitudes or his plans and purposes for life, here's a man that in all he does, he produces that sweet-tasting fruit, pleasing to the Lord. He produces a fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Here's a man who produces what he was intended to be. And in all he does, he prospers. He is pleasing to the Lord. Blessed is the man who delights in the law, for he is a symbol of life. He's like a tree. Back in 2005, just over 11 years ago, my parents took my sister and I off to Kenya in Africa. And so it was the first time that we ever went to Africa, and we were really, really excited to go. And when we arrived, we spent a week in Nairobi, and we spent a week out in safari, But in the very, very last week, my parents took us to Mombasa on the east coast of Kenya. And when we arrived, we arrived in to the most spectacular of all hotels I've ever seen. 
because everywhere you looked, there were different kinds of swimming pools. There were big pools and small pools. There were children's pools, adults' pools, slide pools, quiet pools. Every pool you can think of was everywhere. It was just a big sea of pools. And everywhere you looked were different restaurants. There were Chinese food, African food, American food, if you can call that food, <laughs> British food, Indian food, all kinds of food that you can think of everywhere throughout this resort. And when we got into the rooms, they were massive, huge big ceilings, huge big beds, beautiful bathrooms, everything that you'd ever want. Well, after four days of living the high life, we decided to explore in the city of Mombasa. And so we get on the tour bus. And as we get on the bus, the tour guide comes out and he says this, and I'll never forget it. He says, welcome on the bus of Mombasa. He says, there are two kinds of people in Africa. There is you and everybody else. He says, there are people like you, people who live the high life, people who live in luxury with all the money they want, all the food and the swimming and everything they want. And there's everybody else. And on this tour today, he said, you're going to see, as you compare your life with everybody else, you're going to see just how extreme is the difference between the two kinds of life. And as we drove through the city of Mombasa, and I saw the difference between what we were doing and what everybody else, I began to realize the extremity of the difference in the two kinds of life. Well, so far in this psalm, the psalmist is telling us about the blessed man, and he's painting this beautiful picture, this symbol of life. But as he comes to this next verse, verse 4, now he's going to compare it with the other form, the only other form of life. And as we compare and contrast, we're going to see just how great is the difference between the two ways of life. What's he saying? The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. So here's a psalmist going from three verses to one, from painting a picture of abundance to something that is not, because this man is like chaff. And so whereas the blessed man is, is chosen and he's planted for the purpose and the glory of the planter, this man is not so. Because just like the chaff jumps up wherever it so happens to be, so too is the wicked man who lives for whatever he so happens to live for. And so whether he's living for a religion or a philosophy, for himself or for somebody else, for a way of life or an ideology, this man just jumps up wherever he so happens to be. He's like the chaff. And whereas the blessed man is fixed and sturdy and strong and planted in the ground, this man is not so. Because when the wind and the rain of life come in, he blows away like the chaff. And whereas the blessed man lives for the glory of the planter, and whereas he produces the sweet-tasting fruit pleasing to the planter, 
This man is not so. Because he produces nothing. No fruit pleasing to God. Because in all of his actions, all of his attitudes, all of his plans and aspirations, all in his so-called accomplishments, it's like the chaff that blows away. Blessed is the man who delights in the law, but the wicked are not so. They're not so. They're like the chaff that in the end is just blown away. And so as you come to the end of this fourth verse, and you begin to see the contrast between the blessed man and the wicked, you begin to see the difference between how God views one compared with the other. But isn't it a bit difficult to believe? Because this psalm doesn't really reflect what we see, does it? Because when we look at the politicians who get into power, are they people who delight in God's law? Are they the people who stand up for all that God has said, for all the stories he's revealed, for the doctrines of who he is and who man is, for, his, for showing us his relationship with man? Do the politicians delight in all that God has said? And the pop stars that we revere, are they there because of their faithfulness and obedience to God's law? And the people with all the money in the world around us, the, the billionaires and the millionaires, are they people who delight in God's law? No. They're people who reject it. They're people who don't want God's law. They're people who want to get into power purposely to oppose his law. And there are people who acquire their money and their wealth and their riches, not because of faithfulness, but by living a, a life that has rejected him. And so the question at the end of verse 4 is, how is this so? How is this man so blessed when it seems like the people in the world around us are blessed when they reject his law? Well, come back with me to verse 3. He is like a tree planted. And so this is a man who does not get his status and his value in life from the world around him, but he gets his status and his worth in being someone chosen and fixed by his creator God. And he's a man who is not wealthy or prosperous because of the money he receives, but because he receives the life-giving water of a life-giving God. And this is a man that is not prosperous because of the things that he acquires, but because of the fruit he produces. Because in everything he does, it is pleasing to God. And this is not a man secure in the circumstances of life. This is a man secure in living as God has called him to live. This is not a man fulfilled in the work of the world. This is a man fulfilled as he lives to do what he was always designed to do. And so this is not a man blessed by the law of the world. This is a man blessed by a blessed God through his blessed law. And even though the world may tell us otherwise, here's the creator God 
who tells us what true blessedness really is. Back in the year 2000, I don't know if you're in the movies, but Ridley Scott, the famous movie director, directed one of the most famous movies of all time, Gladiator. And being a good Northern Irishman, I love one-liners. And if you've seen the movie, you'll know that it's full of one-liner quotes. You could just, you could fill books with the quotes from Gladiator. But there's one quote above all else that stands out, one that stays with most people. And as Russell Crowe takes his army into battle, he wants to impress upon them that this is not just some little insignificant battle, but what happens is going to affect everything from there on in. And as all the soldiers are staring at him, he turns and he says this. He says, gentlemen, what you do in this life echoes in eternity. What you do in this life echoes in the one to come. Well, so far this psalmist has been telling us about this blessed man, and he's focused and fixed in what happens in this life. But now this psalmist switches gears, because as he goes into the final two verses, what he's trying to impress is what you do in this life echoes in eternity. I so. Verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. End of verse 6. But the way of the wicked will perish. And so just as they have rejected God, just as they have rejected his law and his being, just as they have lived for themselves, and are like chaff that is blown away, so in the life to come, they'll be blown away. And so, as the psalmist tells us, as they stand before God, they will have no excuse. They'll have nothing to say. And they will not enter into the congregation. They will not be welcomed into the fellowship of millions of people from every tribe and tongue across the world to worship him. But like the chaff, they'll be blown away. And they'll not be sent to something comparatively good. But the wicked will perish. They'll be cast and banished to themselves where they'll die and be crushed by the God they rejected. Because what they did in this life will echo in eternity. But the blessed man is not so. Because just as he was planted, chosen, and lived for the glory of his planter, so too what he did in this life will echo in the one to come. Because as he comes before God in the life to come, this man will stand on the day of judgment. Because as the writer tells us, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is a very intimate word, this knowing word. It means to, to protect, to guide, to look after, to bring and draw right into himself. And so here is the man who has lived for God, who has done all that God has commanded him to do, who's been fixed and focused on the law of God, 
and has lived a life of fruit, sweet tasting to his creator. And here's the Lord will know him. He will draw him. He will bring him to himself. And as he lives to please his God, God God knows his way. He accepts it. And on the day of judgment, he will stand. And unlike the wicked man who will not enter the congregation of the righteous, this man will. And as he enters in with millions of people in fellowship, sweet-tasting fellowship with God, all the blessings in this life will come to perfect completion. Because just as this man was prosperous in that he received the living waters of God, so too in the next life he receives Christ himself. And whereas this man is fulfilled in living the life that God intended him to live, so too in the life to come he's fulfilled as he's made perfect and complete before his planter God. And whereas this man was not secure in the circumstances of life, but secure in living a life according to the plans of God, so he is secure in the eternal home of his eternal God. Because what that man did in this life echoes in the one to come. And so at the very end of verse 6, as you hold up the two different kinds of men... It's obvious which one is more attractive. And as you finish the psalm, you're left thinking, well, I want to be like the blessed man. If, that, if they're the two extremes, then make me more like the blessed man. And so you might expect the psalmist to finish by saying, now you've seen the difference, go and be like the blessed man. But he doesn't. Because just as he begins with a statement of fact, so too he finishes with two statements of fact. He says this, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked will perish. And so the psalmist isn't telling us to be more like this way. He's telling us that you are this way. Because if you're wicked, that is your way. And if you're righteous... The blessed man is your way. And so it's not that if you're wicked, you can become more like the blessed man. It's that that is not your way. And it's not that if you're like the blessed man, you can fall into becoming like the wicked. It's that's not your way. Because there's a way of the righteous and a way of the wicked. And so the final question, as you come to the end of this psalm, is not how can I be more like It's how can I be made righteous? How am I declared righteous if the way of the blessed man is the way of the righteous? Well, come back with me to the very start of the psalm. Because the psalmist begins with, blessed is the man who does not. Not blessed is the man who does, but who does not. Blessed is the man who doesn't do what he would naturally do, what he would think he should do, what he would want to do, but who does not. 
And what the psalmist is doing is he's pointing us right back to the garden, the place of the very first tree. And in the garden, as Adam and Eve are looking at the tree, and as they give in and reject God, their planter, all of humanity falls before him. And as they sin, everything about human nature falls into depravity. And so it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter who you listen to or what way you walk, sit, or stand. All of us are born into the way of the wicked. All of us. And so all of us are like this wicked man. And there's nothing any of us can do. But fast forward 1,000 years. Because in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew begins this way. He says, beginning with Jesus Christ, the King, son of David, son of Abraham. And here through God's covenant people comes the King that all people have been waiting for. And this is not a man born into Adam. This is a man born of a father in heaven. This is not a man who takes on the sinful nature, the depraved nature like yours and mine. This is a man who is born perfectly and blameless of his father's nature. And when he begins his ministry in chapter 5, after he calls his disciples in chapter 4, the very first sermon Jesus the king gives is what? Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. It's what we call the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And as Christ comes and stands before his disciples, he comes as the king of his people. And he comes to bring a a kingdom of blessedness, a kingdom of people who are truly blessed, a kingdom of people who of blessed men. And as he comes to bring a kingdom of blessed men, he comes as the king, the true blessed man. Because in all that Christ did, in everything he said, in everything he did, in everything he became, he meditated and delighted on the law of God. And such was his delight that it didn't lead him to do what he wanted to do, It led him to obedience to his father, and it led him up onto a cross. And on the cross, as the punishment of of God the Father is poured out upon him, he takes the blame for you and me, who fail to delight in his law. And as Christ rises from the dead, he rises to bring new life. For all of those who trust in him and who turn to him and repent and bow before him, they are united to him. And as they're united, just as he rose from the dead, so their old life of wickedness is killed and their new life is given as they are raised to a life of blessedness. And through their faith and trust in him, they become like blessed men. 
And so at the very end of this psalm, we're not just told of a blessed man, we're pointed to the blessed man. Because there is a blessed man who did delight, who did meditate, and for all those trusting in him and are united to him, we too live like blessed men. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of God and meditates all day and night. He's like a tree. And for all of us here this morning who turn to him and trust in him and are united to him, his life is our life. His meditation is our meditation. His delight is our delight. Well, at the, on December 14th, 2014, as over 10 million people tune in to see what happens to Daniel Hainai, they watch as Daniel Hainai wins the X Factor and becomes Britain's next big star. And on this stage, he wins everything he so desperately wanted and receives the life that he so desperately wanted. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. And perhaps like Daniel Hainai, you too long for those things out of life. Maybe you're wanting a job that will make you more fulfilled or money to make you more prosperous or security to make you more happy. Well, feel the weight of this psalm. As this psalm tells you, as God tells you, that your ways are wicked. And in the end, as you seek those things like the chaff, everything you do, everything you become, will be blown away. And just as you did in this life, so too in the life to come. As you stand before God, you'll be blown away. but also feel the weight of hope in this psalm. Because as the psalmist points you to the true blessed man, so as you turn to him and bow before him and repent and put your faith in him, your way becomes the righteous way. And in the end, you'll be like a tree, not just in this life, but in the one to come. And all the blessings of God will come to fruition as you stand with him in eternity to come. Perhaps you're here this morning and you are a Christian. Well, as you hear of Psalm chapter 1, and you hear of the way of the righteous, and as you live in a world that tells you otherwise, that tells you that fulfillment is in jobs, prosperity is in money, Security brings happiness. As you live in that world, as you've come from it, and as you're about to go back into feel the weight of this psalm as it tells you that that way is not your way, but your way is the way of the righteous. And as you measure that up before you, the question for you this morning is how accurately does that describe you. How accurately is the way of the righteous a description of you? Let's pray.
Lord God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you are the one true and living God. We thank you for that there is a blessed man. We thank you that his name is Jesus Christ, King, King of all. And we thank you, Lord, that he lived a life of perfect obedience as he fully delighted in your law. And we thank you, Lord, that he delighted so much that he went on to a cross and he, raised, he was raised from the grave to bring new life. And we pray, Lord, that this morning we may turn to him, put our faith in him, ask that he may forgive us and bring us into his kingdom of blessed men. And we pray, Lord, for those who are Christians, who have been declared righteous, that this way will be our way, that we will live as the blessed man. And so we ask in his name. Amen.